Turn to John chapter 21. We're coming to the end of the book of John. And in chapter 21, we have this very sweet story of Peter throwing himself in the water. And you got to love Peter because <clears throat> don't you wish you could throw yourself in the water and swim to Jesus? Well, you can. You can give yourself to service to Jesus Christ with that same abandon today. And He will welcome you to the beach as He did Peter. And He will provide for you. And so you have nothing to be afraid of when you give your life to Jesus. He is... Very gracious. And you you see that in this passage because remember what Peter had done before Jesus was crucified was he had denied him three times, right? And in our passage this morning, right after Peter swims, throws himself out of the boat and swims to Jesus, Jesus feeds the disciples It's a very sweet time of reunion. Jesus had just given them the joy of this overwhelming load of fish after they'd wasted, seemingly wasted all night. And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter. And it goes right, it goes right to the heart of what Peter had done the night that Jesus was crucified, as he denied him. And so three times, Jesus asks him a question. Let's read now John 21, verses 15 through 19. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, You will stretch out your hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. 
The love that Jesus has for Peter is very sweet. The love that Jesus has for Peter is the love that Jesus has for us. It's very sweet. It's very tender. We love because he first loved us. You think about Peter being called as an apostle, and what was he? Who was he? Nobody. A fisherman. He wasn't some well-known, important, rich person, right? He was a nobody. A nobody who worked with his hands for a living. And Jesus called him. What did Peter do to deserve that calling as an apostle? Nothing. What did Peter do to deserve his calling as a believer? To be saved at all, much less made an apostle? Nothing. It came from God's love for him. And so it is with us. The reason that we are saved is because God loves us. And you see that tender love in Jesus' questions to Peter, in this conversation that he has with Peter. And yet, In the middle of that conversation, it says that Peter was grieved, doesn't it? Peter was grieved that he asked this third time whether he loved Jesus. God's love for us isn't because we deserve it. Not because of who we are, it's because of who He is. It's sweet, it's tender, it's compassionate, it's restoring, and it comes with discipline. And this conversation that Jesus has with Peter is Jesus' discipline of Peter, isn't it? And at the same time, it is His restoration of Peter. You can tell it's discipline because Peter doesn't like it, right? And we know from Hebrews chapter 12 that no discipline is joyful for the present, but that it is painful. And this conversation that Peter has is painful to him. And yet it is Jesus' love that restores Peter to his position as an apostle, to his work as an apostle. Now, as Peter is restored, he's restored from a failure, right? He's restored from his sin. And he's restored to work. 
And what is the work that he is restored to? It is the work of shepherding. It's the work of being a shepherd. What does Jesus say to him? Do you love me? Peter says, yes. And you you can just, you know. He knows where the question is coming from. He knows why it's repeated three times. And why does it grieve him? Is he blaming Jesus for it? No, he, it grieves him because he remembers his sin, right? He remembers denying Jesus with curses in the dark, at night. But after comes the morning. <laughs> this is a little bit longer than just the next morning, right? few days go by, you've got the resurrection. Okay, so days have passed and now comes. Not just the resurrection has happened, but the restoration. And what a sweet and beautiful thing it is. And then, not only is he just restored, it's like the man who goes off, takes his father's inheritance and wastes it. You guys know him as the prodigal son, right? And he goes off and he, after a time of throwing away his inheritance and suffering the consequences of his sin, he's miserable. And he finally says, I'm going to go and return to my father because it's better to just be a servant in his house, and maybe he'll let me return and be a servant. And you think about Peter. Why does Peter throw himself out of the boat and swim in to see Jesus? It's because he loves him. And why does he, why does he love him? Because he, he's, he knows Jesus loves him. And he's confident to throw himself at Jesus And what's he expecting? What does he want? Does he want to be an apostle? Is that what he's after? No. I mean, we don't have any indication of what he wants, but you know what I'm saying. Is him throwing himself into the water and swimming to the beach, is that some sort of attempt on his part to prove himself that he's worthy of becoming an apostle or being an apostle again or being restored? No, it's just he wants to be with Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. Because why? Because he loves him. And then Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter's going, yes, yes, I love you. I love you. You know I love you. And then this unexpected twist in the conversation is what? Tend my lambs. Were you expecting that in this conversation? I mean, you've heard it, and so yes, you were, right? But... It should be shocking to you. It's an unexpected insertion. Of course, with Jesus, this is common, that we get these kind of unexpected things in the middle of conversations, right? He likes to to go places we're not expecting him to go. What does he say? He says to him, 
shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep, tend my lambs. The shepherd shepherds the sheep. It's really simple, right? Sheep herd. Shepherd herds the sheep. But what is the the job of a shepherd? What is the role of a shepherd? Well, it's it's governing. It's caring. It's feeding. Providing water. When you think of the 23rd Psalm, you see the way that God shepherds his people beside still waters lush green grass. It's just what sheep need, right? And then he turns to Peter and he says, shepherd my sheep. Now, if there's anybody that uh, you wouldn't think of being a good shepherd, I would put Peter on the list of like, not well suited to the work of a shepherd. He's a little bit too bombastic to be a good shepherd. Because sheep get scared easily. Right? And so when you're bombastic, when you go do things like jumping out of the boat, it freaks everybody out. And yet, Jesus gives him the work of being a shepherd. Now, that's, that's kind of surprising. It's not just surprising contextually. What does, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep. What, what do they have to do with each other, right? But it's also surprising with regard to Peter and his personality, except that we know that he's an apostle. <clears throat> Jesus didn't pick people that you would think are, you know, appropriately skilled for the task at hand. Shepherds. Shepherds shepherd the sheep. That's what they do. Now, in English, we have a word for shepherd, and it's pastor. Did you know that, kids? That pastor just means shepherd? How many of you knew that? One hand. One kid knew that pastor meant shepherd. <clears throat> well, now you know. Now you all know. What does, what does pastor mean? Shepherd. And so, the pastor is given the role by his very name. It means that he's supposed to do something, right? And what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to... Be very important? Is that his work? No, No, his work isn't to be important. Is his work to look good? Kids, do shepherds, is that their work? Is the work of a shepherd to look good? No. What's a shepherd supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah, lead the sheep. Lead the sheep in the right way. Exactly. 
in the right way. <clears throat> and the right way has a, a lot to it, doesn't it? <laughs> in the right way, meaning the right path. And in the right way, meaning not like a lunatic, not in fear, right? By faith, with boldness. The, in the right way is a big umbrella. <laughs> The pastor is to shepherd the sheep. Who are the sheep? Who's the sheep? Got to ask somebody else to answer. You already answered. Who are the sheep? We are. We are the sheep, right? God's people are the sheep of his pasture. And he gives Peter here the responsibility of tending them. Now, Peter's not alive anymore, right? So does that mean there's no more shepherd? No, because we have still pastors, right? And so God established an order that was to keep going on. This command that he gives to Peter isn't given only to Peter, but much of it is given to us today. And part of it, a lot of it, comes to rest on me and Paul and other elders. A lot of it comes to rest on the sheep as well. So let's talk a little bit about being shepherds and being sheep. Let's start with let's start with the easy the easy out there problems. And then we'll work our way to the the harder in here problems, okay? <clears throat> the easy out there problem is uh, video venue churches. Okay, now, I want you to think about this command, this, this sweet and tender conversation that Jesus has with Peter, and then think about Peter going out and establishing a multi-site church with video feeds going to seven of the buildings, and think of him being told by Jesus, tend my lambs, and doing that. Is that obedience to this command? No, it's not obedience. It's not obedience. You can't do that while obeying this passage. But the rise of video venue churches is simply symptomatic, which means that it's not the big problem. (laughs) It's not the root problem. What's the root problem? The root problem is a larger abandoning of this shepherding principle that Jesus gives in command to Peter and to all of the under-shepherds that he has placed over his sheep. Where does this abandonment of shepherding come from? Well, you can look at the shepherds and you can say, the shepherds don't want to do the work necessary, and you can blame them, and you can say, it's the shepherds' fault. And we're very good at looking at authorities and seeing the symptoms of the problems in the body and saying, it's the head's fault, right? It's the leader's fault. 
And there's a, there's a reason for that, and the reason is because it's true. It makes a lot of sense. It, it happens that way. It works that way. It's the way God has set up the world. We see it in ourselves, right? I was talking to a guy who, uh, I asked him if he went to church. He said, no, I got out of the habit. And then he said <clears throat> that he's just lazy and he needs to get out of bed, right? Well, you, you, you know what he's saying, right? He's saying it's, it's my fault. Now, he called one particular part of his anatomy lazy, but it wasn't his head. Okay? But, but what is the part of him that wakes him up and gets him out of bed? I mean, it's his, it's his head, right? And so when we, have, when we have sins and problems that we go down, we don't blame, we don't blame our hand for leading us into sin, right? We look to the heart. And yet, Jesus did say that if your hand causes you to stumble, you cut it off, right? And so, we know that there's no separating the body from the heart. There's no separating the, the leader from the people, the people, the people pick the leader that they want. And then the leader leads them in the way that they want. And so there's this mutual connection. There's this, there's this similarity between the leader and his people. And, and it goes both directions. And so what I'm trying to say here is that the lack of shepherding that we see in the American church today and that one symptom is where we set up video venue churches and another symptom is that people just sit at home and watch a service on TV and another symptom is pastors that like to avoid actually talking to the people that are in front of them even if they're never, ever anywhere close to big enough to start a video venue service. Are you with me? We're moving closer to in here, right? So what's my point? If you don't want someone to shepherd you, you will pick a church that has a pastor that will not shepherd you. Right? Won't you? That's what you do. And then when you're led by men who don't want to do the work of shepherding, they will lead you to not see its need. They will lead you away from the principles. They will not mention what's necessary. They'll reinforce your lack of desire. Right? It's, it goes both ways. <clears throat> and so Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And it's out of that that flows, shepherd my sheep. And it's the same 
with you as sheep. Do you love Jesus? Then don't deny that you need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. Now that may seem just as or even more unintuitive to you as me saying that do you love me is the root out of which tend my sheep flows. But I want, I want to dive into that a little bit further. Both of those things. Okay? They actually do flow right out of that love that Peter has for his Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> when we don't want to be dependent on somebody... We don't want to have the kind of intimacy that shepherding requires, right? Think about it this way. Um, Love is a complex topic, and I'm, I'm right now ignoring the fact that there's two words in Greek that are, dis, that are used here for love that all just get translated as one word for us. <clears throat> Jesus says, do you, you know, love me, using one word, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but he uses a different word for love, okay? And, <clears throat> and so that just... I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go in further into that right now. But what it does is it demonstrates to us that love has always been a little bit complicated. So complicated that it it's worthwhile in some languages for them to have multiple words for the word love. Okay. And so when I talk about love, yes, it's a broad, broad topic. But when we're when we're looking at the love that God has for us and the love that we're to have for God, it's to be that broad. Okay? It's the whole picture. It's the whole thing. And so, think about, as an example, um, you can love somebody in a small way while, while keeping yourself separate from them, right, and protecting yourself from them. Your love is, is limited in that way, right? And, and many of us have had and do have Examples of relationships where we love the person, but we know that there is this separation that needs to take place. Some of us, it's family members. Others of us, it's friends that we grew up with and so forth. But it's, there's this painful reality to the love that the love is limited in how big it can be and how much it can grow and in how close the relationship can be because of sin that has taken place, typically. That's generally the reason behind these kinds of broken relationships. But when you expand 
to bigger love. Are you, are you tracking with me? The big kind of close kind of drawing together kind of love. All right? There has to be vulnerability there, doesn't there? So the love between a man and his wife, there's a lot of vulnerability that takes place on the part of both of them. And if that vulnerability isn't there, the love has been limited. And it's unhealthy. And it needs to be fixed. But that lack of vulnerability is really just a symptom of the lack of love. Right? The lack of trust, the the brokenness in that relationship. And so what Jesus is doing here with Peter is he is restoring the broken relationship that Peter ruined through his denial. But why is he restoring it? Is he restoring it because Jesus ever stopped loving him? No, 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 no. Is he restoring it because Jesus had a doubt about whether he was he had actually chosen the right man? No. Why is he restoring this relationship? Whose sake is it for? Is it so that Jesus can leave with confidence that his church is going to be established on a good rock? No. Jesus is restoring the relationship for the sake of Peter, isn't he? For the sake of the confidence of Peter. Peter is dependent on Jesus Christ. The dependence that he has is across the board. He's dependent on him for his salvation. He's dependent on him for his calling. He's dependent on him for his work. He is dependent on him to provide sheep for him to shepherd. Because whose sheep are they? Did he say to Peter, tend your sheep? He said, tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Shepherd my flock. Jesus is the good shepherd. And Peter and your pastors, me, are only under shepherds. And so... This is the irony of the irony of this passage, if you, if you look at the Roman Catholic Church, is that they'll look at this passage and say that this somehow establishes Peter as the foundation, this, this, this bedrock on which the church is going to be built. I know they, they say that the, that the bedrock is Jesus and so forth, but, <clears throat> but they look at this passage as indicating some special position for Peter in order to justify the establishment of the position of Pope. Okay? And you can't get further from the message of this passage. 
In reality, what's happening is that Peter is simply being restored to his position of apostle, the same as the others, and given a responsibility to teach, and then to what? To die. Did you notice that? This is all in reverse of what Peter was doing before the crucifixion. Before the crucifixion, he claimed that he was willing to die on behalf of Christ. But actually, what needed to happen was Christ needed to die on his behalf. Before the crucifixion, he was struggling for position with the other apostles. Remember them arguing over and over and over again about who was greatest, who was going to be greatest. But what was necessary was for him to become nothing so that Christ could be everything. The reason that the Roman Catholics raise up the Pope is the same reason that we raise up video venue pastors and is the same reason that in little, tiny, reformed, Baptist or Presbyterian churches, you have little popes. You have little important men. But Peter is to feed Christ's sheep. The reason we put a man up on a screen is because what we want is a man who is very important and always doctrinally right and doesn't have the ability to get involved in our lives. But it's not a benefit. Pastors are to be shepherding Jesus' sheep for the sake of Jesus and his sheep. Not so that they can feel important. Not so that they can make a living. Not so that I can feel good about myself. Feel like I'm accomplishing something important. People go into the ministry because they feel like they want to accomplish something important. Do you guys know this? Other people go into the ministry because they think they are important. Other people go into the ministry because they think they're skilled. And their skill is going to be able to accomplish great things. But the thing that all of... All of that leads to is the shepherd being the focus. And really, if there is a focus, the focus is supposed to be Jesus Christ. And if there's a secondary focus, the secondary focus is supposed to be the sheep. The shepherd 
is simply meant to facilitate the relationship between the true shepherd, Jesus Christ, and the sheep. And so, do you love him? Do you love Jesus Christ? Good. Who said that? The babes among us will sing his praise. Do you love Jesus? Jesus is the true shepherd. He's kind and compassionate. He's tender. And he's always ready to do surgery on you. And that's the part that we want to avoid. And so what we do is we set up men who can stand between us and Jesus Christ and protect us from his surgery. Protect us from his discipline. You understand what I'm saying? Remember how this is a bi-directional thing that if I want to feel important, then I've got to give you what you want. And what you want is somebody who won't meddle. And so then you make me feel important and I'll protect you from the Holy Spirit. And there's lots of ways of doing that. And one of the ways of doing that is in, in our circles, the dangerous way of doing that <clears throat> is by having the focus be on doctrine instead of Jesus. Doctrine and Jesus are never at odds with one another. You understand? True doctrine can't be at odds with Jesus Christ. It's his truth. And yet somehow, we like to have safe lectures about doctrine rather than sermons preached to us by men who are calling us to follow Jesus Christ, who are loving him and leading us in love of him. You know, what does Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. You don't want sideshow attractions in a line of sheep following Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. You don't want the under-shepherd to step to the side and be like, and now if you look over here, what you'll see is the neo-Gothic architecture of this building, blah, 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 blah. Love Jesus. Follow him. Get back in line and go after Jesus Christ. Don't stop and turn to the side. Jesus commanded Peter, he's commanded me, pastors, elders are to shepherd. 
And then that has ramifications for you. You are to be shepherded. You can't not be shepherded. This passage is beautiful. It's so sweet. And then, remember I said everything was backwards? Everything was going backwards from the way Peter had it planned? He said he would die for Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, are you truly ready? And then Peter's like, oh yeah, absolutely, I'm ready. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're saying, but you will bear this cup. And then you get here, and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Here's your work. And you're going to die while you're doing it. And so Peter is poured out. We don't hear too much more about Peter. We get a couple letters from him, right? A little bit in Acts, which is not very flattering. And he doesn't become the super apostle, does he? He doesn't see himself as all that important. We don't hear a whole lot about what he accomplished. But he gives his life for Jesus Christ in service to him. And so are you ready to follow after Jesus Christ, knowing that that's the cost? Your life being poured out. If you love him, you will follow him. That's how he ends. He doesn't just end with Peter by saying, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my sheep. He then says, follow me. And so all of us who follow after Peter are following after Jesus Christ. Follow me as I love Jesus. As I don't love him, don't follow me. As I love myself, ignore me. As I protect myself and make myself important, You know what sheep do? They don't have hands, but they have heads, and they headbutt their shepherds. You know that? And each other. It's not a particularly endearing trait, but if I'm raising myself up, you have a head, use it. And if I refuse to shepherd you, if I refuse to use the sword to do surgery when surgery is necessary, headbutt me. 
when you need attention, get it. Get it. And I will seek to faithfully shepherd you by the power of God. Let's pray.